Well, hey, good morning. Just wanna thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, whether you're joining us right here in the sanctuary or joining us online, it is always a pleasure to have you with us here at Canyon Hill Slow. I want you to do me a favor. Would you take your Bibles and take it to the book of Galatians chapter three. We're gonna be in the New Testament. We're talking about the Old Testament, but we're gonna start it off in Galatians chapter three. We're gonna be looking at verses six through nine, and then we're gonna travel back to the book of Genesis. So if you like keeping your Bible open, you can do so. If you like flipping through on your phone, uh, you're gonna be able to do that as well. If you're taking notes, today we're gonna be speaking on the subject of Abraham who is the father of our faith, as we're gonna see here in just a moment. And I wanna remind us of really kind of our big idea of this whole series on the year of the Bible. And the really, the, the big idea that we're saying every single week, that we're going to say every single week is what we believe to be absolutely true. And this is what we believe. We believe the Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Now we're on week four, but if we go back to week one, and even as we get ahead to week 52 in the book of Revelations and everything that we talk about in every story, in every scripture, we believe that to be true about the Bible, that it is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. And like I said earlier, today we're taking a look at the guy by the name of Abraham, who is the father of our faith. So let's read this together in Galatians chapter three, starting in verse six. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Look at verse seven. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel, watch here, beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And then I love verse nine. So then those who are of the faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now there were so many great truths packed right here in these three verses, noticing this. Now it's worth mentioning, like I might've said before, that trying to take the life of Abraham and talking about it for one week is, is really quite the task because again, he's the father of our faith. But Abraham in his lifetime, um, he went through really four major tests. And I thought all this week in praying and prepping along with Vanessa, who's been helping uh, us kind of research these topics, we were able to kind of go through the life of Abraham and really discover four big tests that Abraham went through that believe it or not are also tests that you and I go through as well. And so as we look into the life of Abraham, we're gonna eventually through this message also be able to see our lives in that as well and learn some of these things. And so I wanna get straight to the message. I've got four points, supporting scriptures and four tests. So the first test that, that Abraham faced that you and I will also face too is simply this. Number one, it's the test of big change. The test of big change change. Now let's look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, going backwards now. Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, grow from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you and in, in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. I want to encourage you this week, 
as you're studying, as you're going through the Bible, to read that passage of scripture throughout the week. Because when you understand that Abraham was being blessed to be a blessing, and you understand that those who are of the faith get access to everything that Abraham had access to, you understand the depth of this passage of scripture. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, notice, later receive, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. You wanna talk about a big test, that right there is a massive test. God comes and speaks to him and says, look, here's the deal, I need you to go. So Abraham goes, where do you want me to go? I'll let you know. Okay, how long will it take to get there? God says, I'll I'll let you know. Okay, well, how do I know when I arrive? I, I will let you know. Now let's bring this to a personal level. Could you imagine doing that? moving on that basis. God's saying, hey, I I want you just to grab everything you've got and I want you to start moving. So you say to God, okay, God, where do you want me to go? I'll let you know. Okay, how long is it gonna take? I'll let you know. How do I know when I've arrived? I'm gonna let you know. I I think if we're all being honest, that would be something that is very, very difficult to do. That'd be a challenge. Now, it's worth noting how difficult this would have been for Abraham. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, but think about this. When God comes to Abraham at this time, Abram, during that portion of scripture, he's 75 years old. So he, he's kind of up in age, right? Now, we know we, they lived a long time back in those days, but 75 is still 75 years old. He lived in a beautiful place, a metropolitan city called Ur, U-R. So he lived in a good spot. He's been there for a while. Also, he was very wealthy, which means he had a lot of stuff. And as you read in the scripture, had a lot of servants, a lot of stuff. So packing up and moving to a place that he doesn't even know where it is, how long it's going to take to get there, or when he even arrives, is not as simple as just reading this story, thinking this was a conversation that he and God had, and he went for it. But we know this from reading the scripture, he, he actually did. Big change. The Bible says Abraham obeyed and he went through with God's plan for his life almost instantly. But it was a big change and it was a test. You see, the first test of a believer is will they follow God's leading without knowing where? Will they just simply go? Now let's apply this to our lives, okay? For some of us at different points, God has asked us to make a major change or or a big change. And you don't know where you're supposed to go, but you know you're not supposed to stay where you are. So you feel this tension of, of what what am I supposed to be doing here? Where where should I work? Where should I live? Where should I retire? Where should I try to find a job? Where should I go to school? And it's what I call the the where test. And for some of us, maybe even some of you right now, you're, you're saying, hey, God, show me. And God's saying, hey, look, you get moving first, and then I'll direct you. That's kind of crazy, right? A little unnerving, brings a little bit of fear. But here's what I've noticed about God, and here's what I've, I've even noticed about faith. If your faith hasn't led you to take any risks, it's not really faith. Respectfully, it's comfort. And there are going to be many times in your life where you feel something on the inside, and it's a nudge really from the Holy Spirit that you've got to get moving but you're gonna be faced with a moment where you, you have to display some, some faith. 
And, and I'll say this again because I believe it to be true. If your faith hasn't led you to take any risks, it's not faith. I can remember, and, and still do because it hasn't been so long ago, how God orchestrated Vanessa, my, my two boys and I, even coming to San Luis Obispo. Many of you that have been with us, you, you've heard this story, and maybe you haven't heard this story, but I'll just give you the highlights. For, for over a decade, 16, 17 years, we had the opportunity to, to be youth pastors in, in a few places. And I can remember God letting me know that, that that time was winding down as youth pastors. But here's the deal. We, we didn't have a next step in line. We, did, we didn't know what was next. We just know that God said our time was coming to an end. We needed a little bit of rest. We'd been running hard for many, many years. And I heard specifically God say that when you take this rest and when you step away from student ministry, I don't want you to make any phone calls. I don't want you to even think about your next step. I want you just to take three months and I want you to rest. And I have to be honest with you, that was very difficult for me to do. Then the opportunities after those three months started to come. And for a lack of time, I was faced with a, de a decision of, God, I don't know if this is you, but I feel something going on. And I feel this call to a specific place, but I'm, I'm not quite sure if it's you. And I remembered wrestling with this idea of, man, I feel like we need to take a step of faith here, not knowing if this was going to be where God wanted us to be, where God wanted us to, to pastor a church. And so as many of you guys know the story, I was given the opportunity to come alongside and, be, and partner with Canyon Hills and to even come to San Luis Obispo to, to help out. But I didn't know where this is where we should have been. So Vanessa and my boys stayed back in Visalia and I came and I lived in a motorhome in the parking lot. And Vanessa and the boys stayed back in Visalia. And we just felt this call to just simply come and help and to, to take this, this step of faith, not knowing, but at the same time, to just simply start moving in a direction and trusting God to sort things out and trusting God to line things up. And again, to make a long story short, God eventually revealed to us that this is where he wanted us to be. And, and he made it um, visible to those above us in, in leadership and now here we are, almost five years later, right where God wants us to be. But it started with a step of faith of not knowing if this is where we should be. Our faith had to be tested. And, and friends, there's going to be times in your life where you feel this nudge, where you know there's something out there for you, but you don't quite know fully what it is, but you can't quite stay where you are. And you've got to take a step or you've got to or you've got, to, you've got to move and get the ball rolling and then let God continue to go before you to map things out. And God always does. Now again, this might not be with a big move to another town or a city. Like we mentioned, it could be in a job or with a certain situation, but you can't sit idle. You've got to move in faith. All right, the second test is the test of a delayed promise. This is a test that Abraham faced and I'm pretty sure it's a test all of us have faced. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, the land that God had promised him, as in a foreign land, watch here, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now, there's an important word in verse number 9, and it's that word promise. It's used twice. Now, promise is a, a very important word in, its, in, in, in the vocabulary of a believer, and it leads us to this truth. I would love for you to write this down. 
God wants us to base our lives on promises, not on explanations. See, a lot of the time, we need God to explain everything for us, when in reality, we don't need an explanation. We need to trust God's promise over our life. You see, God promised Abraham, if you move, I will give you the land of Israel. But the problem is, is after he got there, there was a delay in the transfer of ownership. You see, Abraham lived 100 more years, and he never did receive it at that point. So notice it says also that he lived in tents. Not only that, he lived in a tent for 100 years. I mean, you, you talk about temporary. This, this felt like a very temporary situation. How long did he have to wait? Well, we know that Isaac and Jacob had to, to wait with him. That's two more generations added on top. Abraham had to wait three generations to get the promise fulfilled to him, almost like in the same way that Noah did. That's a long time to wait. And here's what I've learned. Our waiting on God's promises are a testimony to our families and to our friends around us. It is a legacy of faith that we will learn from and that we still will, will learn today. So, so the first test that we see in the life of Abraham and maybe even sometimes in our lives is this test of where. But the second test that we face is, is when. Like God makes these promises, but the question is, is when are they going to happen? When am I going to get it? When is it going to be answered? When, when, when it, God, God, when are you going to fulfill your promise? When are my needs going to be met? When are my prayers going to be answered? Because here's the deal. We could all handle the test if we know there's a limit to them and we know that they're eventually going to come. But it's much more difficult to handle the kind of test when there feels like there's no end in sight. The marriage problem isn't getting any better. The job situation isn't changing. The body's not recovering. When is it going to happen? It's a continual test. It's a delayed promise. You know it's coming because you know God's good, but you just don't know when. And here's the lesson to be found in that. A true act of faith is waiting for God's timing. It's an act of faith. Some of you, you're, you're experiencing test number two. You're in the, the, the when. When is this going to happen test? And the burning question in your life is, Lord, when are things going to get better? In my life, in my marriage, when am I going to get married? When are we going to have that baby? When's that promotion coming at work? When am I even going to get that job? So many wins in life. And here's what I've learned. For your spiritual maturity, for my spiritual maturity, you're going to have to go through those seasons of waiting. And the questions that we have to answer is, is will we remain full of hope, full of joy, and full of faith until those things come to pass? You're in the win. All right, number three. It's what we call the test of impossible problems. The test of impossible problems. Watch here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, meaning she was old, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
See, God had promised Abraham that one day he would be the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel. But the problem was that at the age of 99, Abraham still didn't have any kids. And Sarah was, was up in years and incapable of bearing children. You see, the, the fact of, of this problem is it seemed impossible. I mean, think about this. This gets me. Abraham laughed about it. Sarah laughed about it. But what I love is in the story, God got the last laugh. Think, think about the, the name Isaac. You know what the word Isaac means? The definition of Isaac is, is laughter. It's the definition of his name. So God says, look, you're going to have children. Abraham laughs at it. Sarah laughs at it. God got the last laugh. Here comes Isaac. See, some of us, myself included, we, we get worried, worried sick because we don't know how God's going to do certain things in our lives. And we're in this third test of an impossible situation. And sometimes we're discouraged because, because we don't know how. How, how am I ever going to make, make it for my family? How am I going to get out of debt? How am I going to afford a home someday? How can I handle the pressure that's coming in day in and day out in my life? How, how am I going to get through this season of change? Because everything just feels, feels off. I don't know. I, I've had these thoughts. What's our church going to look like as we come out of this? Because while we've been in it, it's changed so much. And there are questions that I'm even asking God, like, God, how are we going to meet the needs of all the families in our church? God, how are we going to meet the needs of our community as you draw them here? God, what does it look like for this to happen and for that to happen? So many how questions. And really, this is what I believe to be true. It's something that I speak over myself. A true act of faith is expecting a miracle without knowing how. It's saying, hey, God, I know you're good. Hey, God, I know it's still going to happen. And I believe this to be true. A lot of us have a, the how Lord moments in our life. But here's the, 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 the joy that we have, friends. He's always been faithful. He's always been good. So you can trust him and you can expect a miracle. It could happen. All right, number four is this. It's the test of impossible situations. Impossible situations. The reality is there's a lot of things that go on in our world that just don't make sense. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know why God allows things to take place why God allows evil. I do know that it's partly because he has allowed us choice. And when we make choices that go the wrong way, God won't force his will on us. I, I know that to be true. I get that. Sometimes people make the wrong choices and stuff happens. But what about those impossible situations that don't seem to make sense? The life of Abraham Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, was in, in the act of offering up his only son. Now, we know the story, and it's probably the story that more people question in the Bible than any other story, because Isaac was the miracle child. He was the son the only son of Abraham. And God asked Abraham, 
after Isaac, the promised child, the miracle baby, after he was grown, maybe 12, 14 years old. And God comes to him and says, look, here's the deal. I want you to sacrifice your own son. Now, Abraham had no idea that God wouldn't let him go through with it. Think about this. He didn't have the Bible to teach him about what God's nature was really like. Isaac represented every single thing that God had given to Abraham. So how could God make such a request? How could God ask a father to sacrifice his own son? That's a heavy deal. I mean, Abraham had no idea that God would not let it eventually happen. So the question becomes, is what was Abraham's confidence? He went, with, he went through it. When we read in the story, they woke up one morning. They got everything ready. They got the wood. They started to make the travel. They started going up the hill. I mean, what, what are the thoughts going through Abraham's mind? Big question. What was his confidence? What would yours be? I love the Bible because the Bible gives the answer for Abraham and even for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. He considered, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In other words, there is a side of Abraham that said, even if God had him go through with sacrificing his son, that he believed that God would raise him back from the dead. You see, here's, here's a big truth. Basic truth of life, big truth. And this, and th- listen, this hits me so hard and it should hit you so hard too. But here's the deal. Abraham had decided this basic truth of life, that God has a right to make any demand he so wishes upon my life. That was the mindset of Abraham. God, if you were to make this demand, if God, if you were to say, do this, God, I will listen. And God, I will do. And for us, it's the same thing. We, we should be at a place where we say, hey, God, any demand you make upon my life, demand it. Ask it of me. If God was to come to you right now and say, hey, I need you to do this, you would say, like Abraham, got it. I'm on it. That should be the mindset that we have, that we see from the life of Abraham that we should have for us today. Whether I understand it, God is God. He made me. Reality is, is we wouldn't be here if he hadn't. You see, God is the creator of all things and working on a plan for the redemption of all mankind. So it isn't about my will, but it's about his will in every moment of our lives. Therefore, everything I have or had or will have, I owe to God. So any demand that he makes on my life, I don't have any right to disobey him. Man, the confidence of Abraham to trust and obey God, even more so to fear God. 
a heavenly fear that Abraham had. Man, I want to have. What's the lesson from point four? It's simply this. A true act of faith will trust God's purpose without knowing why. You got to trust God's purpose without fully understanding it. See, there are a lot of contradictions in life that we can't get all the answers to. And here's the reality, man. Some of us, we're in the middle of the, the why test. Why'd I get fired from this job? Why'd I have a miscarriage? Why are these things happening? Why are those closest to me dying? Some of them young. Some of them in their prime. Why do I feel so empty without purpose? Why do I feel like I'm just going in circles? Why am I good one day and falling apart the next day? Why, why, why? You know what I've read in the Bible? That the men and women of faith in the Bible that we read about, especially Abraham, David, Joseph, Ruth, they were okay with asking God why. They are right with it. There's nothing wrong with asking those types of questions. Abraham did. Every great person in the Bible did. But the test comes when you ask a question. And the test is how do you respond when the answer doesn't come immediately? Or when you never get the answer. I honestly believe there are some questions we all have that we'll never receive the answers to in this time. But I think it's a real sign of maturity when our questions come that it causes us to look to God like Abraham and consider God and consider that God knows best. You see, sometimes we forget to magnify God in our questions. And I say this respectfully, and we have pity parties instead. How do you handle the hows and the whys and the winds and the wares of life when God is silent? God didn't give any explanation to Abraham on any of these four tests. He just said, follow me, trust me, and I'll provide. He didn't give any explanations, but he gave promises. We've got promises. See, if God explained everything, there would be no reason to display faith. We know that faith, walking in faith, it pleases God. But the secret of passing the tests, all of these kind of tests, and sometimes even more, is trusting that, that God knows best and that we should obey. The life of Abraham is fascinating. And I know through our Read Scripture app, we've, 
we've kind of already read it, and so it kind of feels like we're coming back a little bit, but you're not too far removed from it. I want to encourage you this week to go back. Go back to Genesis and read the life of Abraham again. Maybe in light of what we shared here today. And, and look how he refers to God. And look how he leads his family. Look at the types of questions that he asked. And discover these truths all over again. I don't think you could talk about Abraham without talking about his incredible, incredible faith. And friends, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to be like Abraham and to be people of faith. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know about the miracle that you need. I don't know fully about the questions that you have. But like Abraham, you might be in a test and you can trust that God is going to get you through. God is going to help. Abraham is the father of the faith. He's a hero of the faith. And so I want to encourage you this week to take everything you have going on, every question that you have, any scenario you have going on, and I want you to give it to God. I want you to trust. I want to pray for you real quick. Would you just simply bow your heads and close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your church. God, thank you for everyone who's joining us here today inside the sanctuary, joining us online. And God, maybe during this time, they, they've been asking the questions of why and when and where and God, even how. God, I pray that like Abraham, we would consider you in all of those. God, that we would draw support from our family and our friends through prayer, through questions, through dialogues. But God, ultimately, God, I pray that we would take every single one of those and God, direct them at you. And God, I pray that we would walk in a level of faith, God, maybe that we haven't for a long time. God, that we'd walk in faith and we would trust you with every single detail of our lives. God, we thank you that you've been so good to us. And God, I pray for my friends who are believing, God, for great things in their lives. God, for marriages to, to be restored and healthy, for children to grow up in the ways of the Lord. God, to job situations, to finances, Lord, to health. God, to any area that they have, I pray that we would all direct ourselves in faith, with hope, with joy. For your word says, the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. And so God, we take everything and we, we bring it to you. And we say we trust you, just like Abraham. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, I want to thank you again so much for joining us. Whether you were in line, in line, inside here, or online. I sure love you. God loves you. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless.